Welcome to Oz Property Investors, where your smart, no BS friends who tell you the most interesting stuff going on in property. Join your host, Jeff Miles, former mortgage broker and property developer, alongside Joe Tucker, Director of Property Principles Buyers Agency, as they interview some of Australia's top property experts and commentators, so we can all become better property investors together. And we are live at Oz Property Investors. We bring the big names and we have the big fun. And the audience is swelling. The crowd is going wild. How are you going, James? What's happening? I'm um, good, Jeff. Yourself? Yeah, I've, I've got my Airbnb. Sorry to bring the energy down there. Oh, yeah. I know. I've got to, got to match, match your... Yeah, but that's okay. I'm going well. It's a uh, it's beautiful winter's day here in, here in Sydney, whereas I think you're over across in a different part of the world, which is quite, quite lovely in summer. And it's probably sunny till seven or eight, nine o'clock at night. So good times. How are you going anyway, Joe? What's how's your day been, man? Making Mate, my, day's been, my day's been fantastic. Very busy day. Very busy day. Um, I've been watching the comments of uh, this session, and James, the Airbnb expert, has been rattling a few cages. This is a, a more contentious topic than I initially expected. So I'm excited to kind of dive into. Contentious. Joe, did you not read the comments after you did that post two months ago? Did you not read people people slamming you about it? Contentious. Uh, But how are you, Jeff? Most importantly, no, I'm pretty good. As as I said, yeah, the uh, the sun was out. It was a beautiful winter's day, and uh, yeah, living the property dream as we all are. And and Mm. let's let's talk. Excited to talk about every Wednesday night is an yeah exciting one for me. And hopefully the Australians get to win the cricket. Not that anybody cares except me and maybe a few other million, uh, a couple of billion Indians give a, give a crap. Anyway, let's get into it. So quotes of the week, gentlemen. James, you want to go right. first? Yeah. Uh, what was it exactly? It was uh, a man that works all day, has no time to earn any money from John Rockefeller. Ooh. So <laughs> I like it. the thinking is yeah. if you're too busy in your business or if you have a job you don't have time to you don't have any mental energy to think about ways to earn any real money like if you're obviously trying to earn real money you need to like free up your time to free up your mind to and be able to action big things i really like that one yeah, I can see how that can happen. It's so easy to get caught up in the minutiae of the day-to-day and then you get it gets like 8 p.m. at night and you're like, oh, I just can stop working now. And then you're like, well, I just need to veg out. Like I've been so exhausted. I, I don't have any time to do anything else. And then yeah. those are the opportunities where you should be, you know, profiting and making uh, making money for yourself rather than, you know, making your boss rich or or how can I grow my business? I like it. What about you, Jeff? What's your little... Uh, What's your quote of the I just, week? I just wanted to throw in a couple of ones that when you said that quote, it reminds me of the old, uh, the chestnut Jay-Z said. I'm, I mean, that's not my quote, but I'm not a businessman. I'm a businessman. So, I mean, that's kind of talking, extending out. And it also, the another quote that reminded me is, if you don't have sort of five minutes to meditate, then you need to meditate for 10. But that, those aren't my quotes, but that just reminded me. Let's so my quote is from Benjamin, um, Benjamin Franklin, Benjamin Graham. I was going to say Benjamin Franklin, but... So he's, he said successful investing is about managing risk, not avoiding it because, and I think that's very apt for this session because a lot of people have said, oh, management fees are exorbitant and council is going to change the rules and there's all these, and it's just all these negative sort of points to shoot down Airbnb and or short stay rental or, or short-term rental, whatever we want to call it. 
And it's, it's just like, yes, those are challenges, those are issues, but as long as you can manage that risk, then that's the, yeah. all these reasons shouldn't be the thing you shouldn't invest, whether it be whatever you're going to do. Yeah. There's always it. a uh, equilibrium. If, if something is making something more difficult to do, the profits are probably going to be slightly better on the other side to compensate. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Um, I, I totally agree because I think about it, getting a loan is so damn annoying. And I see so many people that try and go through the process of getting a loan or try and go through the process of buying a property. And then they hit a wall and like, oh, I just don't want to do any more paperwork. I'm going to give up. So I always like, I get my, I get to the point where I'm like, I want to give up. And then I'm like, you know what, actually, I bet 10 other people have given up. They're now, they're no no longer competition. If I just push forward, I'll be the one to kind of keep going. Um, So I don't know if that helps. That's not my quote of the week. Once it was like a, you know, progress. It could be applied to anything, to like music career or anything. And then it's like, as you just start to curve up or be this way for you guys. Like as you just start to curve up, this is like where people start to give up because it's like mm. you get kicked down and then you, you skyrocket. So like yeah. it can be applied to yeah, pro- probably property investing or or business for me where it's like you're just about to like automate, you know, almost everything. Then you hire an employee and then you, all your time is free now and you can make so much more money because it doesn't take you more time per extra thing that you do in your business. Like an extra Airbnb, it doesn't take much more time for me to manage now that I've got the systems in place. Leverage, baby. Like All about that leverage, um, which ties in nicely because this is what I wanted to talk to you about is my, my quote of the week is a business will grow up to its constraints and then it will grow no longer. That is by Alex Harmozy, who is actually really interesting uh, kind of character, but your constraints are on you, whatever your constraints are as an individual, as a business owner, as a person, as an investor, like you're the actual, if you think that you're actually the constraint, you can then you'll hit a wall and it's only until you hire someone to, you'll hit a time constraint or a money constraint or a skill constraint and a knowledge constraint. And uh, yeah, I think I like, I like this thinking of Airbnb as an actual business where you hire staff to help you do these things. You manage it. But um, anyway, we're going, we're going into the juicy bits. Um, what are we doing now, Jeff? So I, I think um, I, I think we we I like to do this about once a month, and and it's, it'd be great if people could give us a review on Spotify, all that good stuff. Give us a review, hopefully five stars, but just give us a comment as well, and and drop some questions because everybody loves Airbnb and all that sort of stuff. If you're watching later, drop us a like, all that sort of good stuff. But where we're going tonight, though, we are going to talk about. Things such as the types of Airbnbs and, and determining FISO, setting it up, how to run in, run and manage, how to how to actually think about Airbnb like a business. Because I think Joe's super juiced and super excited about that. Um, we may even sort of run through. We we may chat to an example, but I don't know if we're going to have time. We'll just see. We'll see how we go. Q and A, um, but but also just I suppose how it works for servicing as well. Because I think James thinks about things a little bit differently in regards to that people. I think you said that you use it to then gain serviceability rather than the other way around. You, I've got that wrong. Do you sort of get serviceability and then do Airbnbs? Is that so? Um, I'm not sure how it works if you own a property exactly. Uh, maybe they take in like 50% of, of what your income is or yep. what you would maybe you can get like a. A uh, real estate agent quote of like, I think you can rent for this, and they they just take in that. Um, but if you run it as a business, um, they don't take into account like 
uh, oh, that whole business is only earning half as much as like if yeah. they are, they take into what the actual profit is of the business. Yep. Yeah. That's that's kind of yeah. So it's sort of instead of owning it just purely as a property, you're actually owning it as a business, which then is, I mean, it, you need to sort of show, demonstrate that probably through tax returns from what I understand. It's not your typical. Yeah, exactly. not, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's a, that's a, a different way that of thinking wrong. about it. I am, I'm excited to talk about all the technology and all the tools that you need to run an Airbnb. Like there's so much like ways to, there's like Airbnb data or something like that that helps you choose a listing and, and what kind of price and all of that stuff. Um, I want to understand like the risk of buying an asset or versus the arbitrage of, hey, I can just get a head lease and then sublease this out. Is that legal? How does it work? There's new legislation that have come in. There's a whole raft of things in this Airbnb space, um, which you know all about, James. So I'm, I'm keen to unpack this one. Let's, uh, let's dive into the episode. But before we introduce who James is and what he's all about, we've got to run this little, little ad thing and then we'll be back and we'll do that. Got it. There's nothing worse than going into a situation unprepared, especially when that situation is purchasing one of the most expensive assets of your life against a trained property expert in the form of a real estate agent. It's a scary thought, but it is a skill that can be taught. Do you want to learn how to become fully prepared when buying a property so you can get out there, buy your dream home or investment property without the fear of actually messing it up? Scott Agate, the founder and expert property negotiator at Hello House, has been helping people buy their properties by stepping in and negotiating with the agents and saving his clients tens of thousands and in some cases hundreds of thousands of dollars. Scott has now decided to share all that he's learned over the past 28 years in real estate so you can go out there and do the exact same thing on how to find a property, analyze that property, negotiate on that property and transact on it to get the best results. He's created the Get Buyer Ready course, which is a step-by-step guide on how you too can become an expert property negotiator. It's the easy way of how you can avoid all of these agent games and get the best purchase price on that dream home or your investment property. The course is in short bites for busy people with no fluff at all. Just all the information you need to get buyer ready and secure that next property with confidence at the best price. Scott has been kind enough to give our community a massive discount with the link below. Sign up today before you even think about putting an offer on that next property and it will be one of the best decisions you ever make. Too right. We're back. So uh, that's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting to get into this session. As I said, we're going to talk about a lot of things Airbnb. But who is James Rubiolo in front of us? I probably won't say your last name too, too many times because I'll, I'll get it wrong yeah. more, more often than not. But um, you have managed over 70 different properties from studios in yeah. Sydney to a 10-bedroom castle in Stockholm. Gee, that's an issue. We could just have a whole session on that. Um, yeah. but, but you currently have tw- a business, as you said, you think about things as a business rather than a property, which I think is a bit unique and, and very innovative of 22 properties between Sydney and Stockholm and maybe every, maybe not every city in between. You, you've also mastered automation. So that's why Joe, Joe loves automation. He gets into it and you're able to sustain your business with 10 hours a week. That's not the four hour week, but the good old James, uh, not James, good old Tim, Timmy Ferris, who actually probably works, yeah. uh, Probably was four hundred hours a week, not not four yeah. hours. But anyway. yeah, we'll get him on the show. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, look, I think we could get Tim. I probably know some people who know him. Um, but you also have a, f- a bunch of free content on your profit with BB- BNB. I, I keep wanting to say Airbnb, Insta, 
So check that one out as well, folks. But what did I miss? What What do you do in your spare? You're also a musician. You're a DJ, aren't you, as well, James? Yeah. So like my whole attitude towards um, business and making money isn't like business is my passion, and you know I want to do something I love. I want to make as much money as I possibly can, but by doing the least amount of work that I possibly can. Uh, I, I don't really enjoy it, so I'm not like, you know, I'm not sugarcoating it. I think a lot of people do sugarcoat it. Um, because they're they're talking about like, you know, in this range of jobs, like it's it's really good for like what the job is. But if you could choose, you wouldn't do it every day. So if you if you wouldn't do it for free every day, I think don't lie to yourself. So um, that's my ethos, and I'm trying to just free up my time so I can like make music and do things that I like. I make house music, so I'm living in Ibiza for the next four months or so. I've been here for two months and um, yeah, helping run like my housemates' uh, parties, secret sessions. You're not and... playing. You're not playing in Ibsh- Shwire next week. You're not not playing with. Um... No, yeah, that's that's my goal to play at Ishwaya. Yeah. yeah, yeah, mate. I was I was there. I was there in 2016. Fun fun times. I was. Let's go pre-COVID, nice. mate. I, I don't know. These days of COVID, you probably have to spend. Yeah. Anyway, enough on that. So, yeah. But um, Joe, you, I'll ask the first question. And then you... Yeah. No, I want to. I want to ask the first question. How did you get into this? How did you get into this whole Airbnb thing? How did you kind of fall into it? What did it What did it look like? And um, tell us. Give us the goods. Yeah. So in uh, 2016, I had a Swedish girlfriend, and I mm. moved to Stockholm for love. After, after studying there on exchange back in 2012 for like half a year. Okay. Um, so I already half wanted to move back, but then the girl kind of like, well, she didn't push me to move. I just like, on top. followed her there. Maybe she wasn't that happy that I, that I followed her there. So it was too much pressure on the relationship. It didn't, didn't work out, but I uh, ended up staying. Uh, and when I moved there, I was going to start a bamboo pillow business, like selling stuff in shopping centers over a table turned out that it wasn't like how it works in Australia where you just rent a, a space and sell stuff over the table. Um, so I, when I was moving there, I realized if I rent that room there in this trendy part of Stockholm, it's going to pay for the owner's rent twofold. But if I stay there for a, a whole month and I was going to be living with like an older guy. So I was like, well, what if I did that myself? So I rented a two bedroom place for um, like, I just jumped in head first. I had like, I think I had about 12 grand cash saved and then I rented a place for a thousand a week and I stayed in the really small bedroom and I rented out the big bedroom. Um, and so that was my first one. Uh, then wow. the owner said, Hey, you, um, we didn't know you were going to rent out that second bedroom. And I was like, Oh, I thought that I was able to have people stay. Cause I told him I'd have like business people and stuff like that staying. Um, and then I negotiated a deal with them to rent out the whole place. Cause it used to be on Airbnb, but it was too stressful for them um, to rent out the whole place and give them a guaranteed amount uh, of rent and take 25%. So that was my first Airbnb and um, 25%. It was of like 15 grand a month through summer. Um, it was like such a great deal. Uh, and then I just started, um, giving owners like guarantees and like taking 35% uh, as a management fee over there. I was like the only, the only business there. Um, there wasn't that much innovation in the space. And uh, yeah, so since then I've, I've moved back to Australia, um, long story short. And I, now I focus on rental arbitrage, renting a place, putting furniture in it usually. 
um, I've got a couple of furnished ones. And then, yeah, so taking on that risk and then keeping the, the larger gap of the profit rather than managing it for 20% and only making, you know, 12% profit. It's more like 40 or 50%. Okay. Joe needs so, the numbers. He needs, he, needs, he needs a visual, do you, Joe, to, <clears throat> to picture how it all works. The numbers no, no. So, so what you're saying is in Stockholm, you're getting 20% cut from or 35% cut from you're just managing yeah. there. So if they won, you won. If they lost, you lost. That's, that's great, right? Um, you'd just be taking that percentage cut. But now what you're talking about with this arbitrage thing um, is you go to someone and they're saying, hey, I want to rent my place for 500 bucks a week. <clears throat> and you're saying, hey, I'll give you 500 bucks a week, but you just have to allow me to do run Airbnb through it. Um, yep. And then I'll make whatever I make and you make your $500. And if it's a, um, if it's a really good place, then I'll, I'll, I'll even pay like 600 for it. Right. It's trying to rent for 500. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is, this is where it all starts. This is where it starts to get really, really interesting. So how does it, yeah. um, how does all this work? Like how should I think about Airbnb myself? So there'd be different types of people watching. There'd be people that already own a property and they're like, can I make money from doing Airbnb? Yeah. There'd be people that would be thinking about doing the same thing as me. Is there anyone else? Maybe, maybe people just wanting to do it as a, as a side hustle and getting a couple of places. Uh, so the way that you should think about it is, well, for the people that have their own place, uh, is it going to be worth your time to do? Is the place feasible? Um, and for the people that are looking to get started, um, yeah, you can make as much money as you, as you're willing to put into it. Um, by just learning how to find the right properties that are going to work on, on Airbnb. Okay. So that's what, what I think Joe's may be asking you, correct me wrong, is take us through the framework, take us back to step one. So how do you determine a feasibility on a, on an Airbnb property? Got it. Assuming you're not going to buy it first. You look at it. Okay. So yeah, you mentioned um, AirDNA at the start, Joe. So that's a website where you can type in an address of any property and it will give you a rough guide of, what the occupancy rate will be like if it's only going to rent out for 60 percent of the year and then what will the average daily rate be so is it going to rent out for 150 a night or 300 a night um, wow. and then you go to airbnb and then you look at comparable properties and see what they are currently earning um, in the next month you know on the month after that and maybe the summer as well and you can get a feel for what that place would earn um, and you need to look at what is the, not just the place itself. What about the furniture, um, the reviews? Wh- how is the, how is the host managing the place? So there's like a lot of factors that, that go into it. Um, a lot of people will have, for example, there's a building that, that I have a, an Airbnb in and I've got quite kind of trendy, trendy furniture, like a wooden table with recycled wood, stuff like that. But then the one um, downstairs with a, an even better apartment, better renovation, but more boring um, furniture mm-hmm. is earning 40% less than my one is as a combination of a lower occupancy rate and lower prices. So the same property can earn vastly different amounts just on furniture alone. Really? Okay. Yeah. 
So what kind of furniture do we want to be putting in our Airbnb to maximize it? So you, you usually want to identify the area. So if it's like a hipster area, you might have a Chesterfield couch and a wooden table, um, maybe a smeg fridge, something like that, you know, to make it really pop in the photos. Yeah. Or if it's a beach beachside location, you might have some, some beachside, like actual paintings, like some paintings that people have actually painted. You get them from a secondhand shop. Um, you might have some like vine plants, you know, think about like a trendy cafe that serves yeah. fancy coffees in Byron Bay. So you want to tie it in with the lo- the location because people are trying to book like an experience, not just a place to mm. sleep. Mm. Yeah. Someone said, someone said here, people will pay a huge premium for something different and quirky. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Easy peasy. So I'm just so I'm just thinking like if if I'm if I'm sort of a, the uh, the starter and Airbnb investor, you, you probably need to pick out a like like there's there's going to be sort of limited locations where Airbnb will probably work. Is that sort of your experience or your kind of um, your what you've found? Um, so a rule of thumb actually would be when you go on Airbnb, like if you're thinking about doing it nearby or on the other side of the world. Both are as possible as each other. By the way, you just have to run it differently. Um, if there's an Airbnb, if there's a selection of Airbnbs in that area, it probably means that you can make a profit on an Airbnb. So you just got to figure out what's the play that each of those owners are doing. So mm-hmm. it might be in like an area where there's mining or something, and it's not about the furniture at all. It's just about short-term accommodation or mid-term accommodation, you know, Um or it could be a, a tiny house, um, you know, a basic tiny house, and then it's about the nature. So yeah, yeah. So it's not a. So don't think about like uh, what type of property is going to work. Like, is it one bedrooms? Is it three bedrooms, etc. Think about just what numbers. So what properties stack up with the numbers? So for example, last summer in Ibiza, I was. I was here for two months and I was trying to find accommodation. I, I literally couldn't find it. So I had to leave and I was um, looking at different places. There was even like caravans that don't work anymore for two grand a week. So you could Whoa. literally buy a caravan for two grand and then rent it out for eight grand a month for like three months in a row. So the num- the, the, the type of property doesn't really matter if we're talking about the, um, the profit. Yeah. So how do you, thumb to follow, yeah. How do you kind of work that? How do you kind of work that out? Like, um, how do you figure that that stuff out? So you go on Airbnb and look at what is succeeding, and then you you reverse engineer it from there. So you might. So what find succeeding fruit. look like? What does succeeding look like on on Airbnb? Because when I look at Airbnb, I just see this is one hundred and fifty. This is two hundred. Like I don't know. So you answer. Um, you answer. For example, a, a stay for a week. Like let's say we look at july next month for melbourne and we enter a stay Mm -hmm. for a week and um we look at how much this place is trying to charge for example 1700 bucks a week and then we look at how many dates on the calendar actually blocked which gives credence to maybe they're actually getting the prices that they're asking and then we look at uh domain and we look at how much could we rent a place for for that oh we can rent one for 700 bucks maybe even already furnished or maybe 650 and it's not furnished and we're going to have to put furniture in ourselves. And we look at, okay, so that place that was renting for 1700 bucks, 
what kind of furniture do they have in there? Can I get a place just like that, even maybe in the same building? Can I get even better furniture or a different, something even, even better about the listing? And, um, and then th that's pretty much feasibility. Um, you want to do that multiple times to like test that it's not just maybe someone is staying there and um, renting it out when they're going away. And that's why the dates are locked. So you want to see uh, other places in that area getting booked at these higher prices as well. Mm. Are there any kind of like rules of thumb for like, so I live in, in Cronulla, right? Which is like a beachside area. So w it, when you think of beachside area, do you think of like, you know, apartment or house or like, how do you kind of frame, Hey, um, I'm in, in Geelong or I'm in the middle of Northern territory or I'm in Townsville, whatever, like, um, Maybe in Port Hedland, Joe, throw a mining town in there. Let's say mining there town go. because Port they reckon they can be Do you think about like a framework for what, well, maybe not even framework's not the right word, but do you say, okay, cool. Yep. You're going beach theme. Um, cool. You're in Newtown in New South Wales. Um, you're going hipster, trendy, lush furniture, all from the and charity. The 420 shop. leaf on the wall. That's where you're going, Joe. 420 leaf. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this you just think of the demographic, the that lives there or what people's perceived notion of that area is and then just cater to that. Yeah. Um, so you also, as I, as I was saying, like you might want to do something different to what everyone else is doing. So you might look yeah. at Cronulla and then it might just all be boring furniture places but you could make yeah. a really quirky place and then people will literally book specifically Cronulla um because they really like that place and it's by the beach and it's cheaper than other other beach places um and then you can get like a unique kind of listing because when someone looks at a map it shows they log into Airbnb they're going to book a stay and they enter their suburb sometimes it shows other properties as well from around the area so you can actually drag people away from where they were thinking they were going to go just by yeah, having a, a great place. Yeah. yeah. I, I really like the way, I really like the way you're thinking about it. You, you're actually, because I tend to agree when I'm going on hold, not tend to agree. I do agree when I'm going on holiday, if I'm sort of, if I'm a sort of more sort of, if I'm willing to send more or if I want to have a great experience when I go on holiday, I want to sort of, I'm willing to spend that little bit extra for that place that really pops. So you say, if I'm going to go to, if I'm going to go to Cronulla or, or if I'm going to work, my company might be paying it. So I'm, I'm really liking mm. that you're actually just, you're looking at what's there and you're looking to outdo, not outdo, but you're looking to differentiate yourself from the competition. So it's really about marketing to understand, you're understanding what that area. So that's what I'm sort of understanding from what you're saying. Yeah. Like for you, it's only an extra hundred bucks a night, but then for me over so many properties, it, it could be like 20 grand a month difference just on having like nice furniture. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then you get massive use. Sure, it's going to wear and tear and wear out, but you're you're totally unique, and you're snagging every person that comes through it. What are some yeah, of like the? It might, um, yeah, it might on, not sorry. even cost more to have the quirky furniture either. It might cost less because mm. it's secondhand as the unique furniture pieces. Yeah, very very good point. What are some of the more like um, overlooked things that people? you know, just starting out their Airbnb experience, what is like, oh, you know what, I'll just, oh, no, I don't need that. I will, like, what are some of the overlooked factors that reduce profitability, that mess people up? Um, so people will often just uh, set a flat price, let, let's say 200 bucks a night, and then they will 
get it full, as soon as they've listed up, they'll get it fully booked for the next six months. So they're like, wow, like I'm such a good Airbnb host. I've just, uh, I'm killing it. Like really it's fully booked. Can't do any better, but they've actually, they, if that happens, they've actually left like thousands of dollars on the table because in peak season, maybe they could have been charging five, 600 bucks a night. Um, and, and they, maybe they didn't also have a strategy. Now they've got all these one and two night gaps um, in their calendar that they could have kind of optimized to get a, a fully booked calendar. Um, so a lot of, a lot of people don't understand how important the daily rate is and the occupancy rate. So you've got to optimize both of those based on supply and demand, which you can literally, by the way, the, the tool that I use for that is price labs. It's like 10 bucks a month and it does a lot of that wow. for you. Um, Another thing is like a uh, minimum stay, <clears throat> minimum stay. So if there's a three night gap in the calendar, you don't want to have a, um, for night one, you don't want to just have a minimum stay of one night or two nights. You want to try and get the full three nights booked because if you only get a two night stay, then the other one's probably going to sit empty. So you give a discount for that night one wow. to reward someone that full, booking that full amount. You know what I mean? So you think of it as like, uh, like you're like a supermarket selling discounted items. Like you've got an expiring night that you want to sell discounted. Yeah, just squeeze every it, last dollar out. Yeah, you know, like what, what if what if dot com last minute dot com whatever. Pretty much your own version of that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. This is an interesting point um, someone made. One and two night stays don't work uh, when cleaners and linen are taken to, into account. Um, so what are your thoughts it. on that? Do they work though? Like, can can you make them work? Yeah, you can. Um, some people are willing to pay for it because the cleaning fee is added on top of the booking um, on on Airbnb and on the other platforms. You can make sure that it is added on. Maybe on Booking.com, the default is no, but you can add it on the top. Um, and then some areas you may need to discount it to account for that cleaning fee, but you just discount it to the amount that you're comfortable with earning. So you don't just drop it to 50 bucks a night to account for the, the cleaning and linen fee. You drop it to what you're comfortable with earning and what you think it can get booked at. Yeah. Yeah. Because you might be in one of these, one of these places where it is just, you know, one night, one night, one night. Like if you're in fly in, fly out work, I, I don't know what else. Mm. Actually, is there a demographic that is just kind of one night, one night, one night? Are you trying to, uh, with the type of demographic, of. specific yeah. that you're trying to target? Like, what's the best demographic to hit to get you the best one? But yeah, might not be give PG. Usually, uh, my, like my my calendar is the further you book in the future, the higher the minimum stay is. So it might be five nights if you're trying to book for December now. And then if it's two weeks away, it might be three nights. And then if it's in the next week, it might be two nights because you want to open up the possibilities uh, to book because you've got to think about also yeah. um, showing up in search results to even get booked. So the lower the minimum stay is, the, yeah. the more you're going to, the more eyeballs you get on the listing. Yeah. Cool. How, how, did, how does one go about learning all of this? Cause so it, just, it just feels like there's a lot of very tacit, sort of knowledge you have and you picked up like how did you learn about all this um so there's (laughs) i mean yeah there's two two ways i've been doing it since 2016 which i think is six or seven years so i learned a lot from youtube and 
um, just sort of trial and error. Like when I come across this and you go in the Airbnb forum and, and figure out how to go about it. Um, so it's a pretty massive learning curve. Um, I, I, I just wanted to touch on it to make sure that uh, if you have just one property and you want to do this whole learning curve, I probably would say, I would I'd probably say it's not worth doing, uh, which we can talk about later. Um, and we'll talk about when we t- what to look for when you get a management company, et cetera. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I teach people, I have like a mentorship program um, where we can guide you through and get all those questions sort of answered. Probably if I had a mentor, I would have gotten to the result I was looking for like in 20% of the time because there's also there's a lot of energy spent when you don't know what to do next or you don't have clarity. But if you have someone to just ask and get the, the spectrum of answers that you need instantly, then just keep yeah. pushing forward and just growing your business. Yeah. Yeah, exactly like my quote, right? Like you, you'll hit a constraint and then you're just not going to get any further unless you have the the key to the next lock to to get out there. But then I guess what you're saying is you can make a mistake and you won't even know it's costing you. So you could just be lit, you could just be losing money every single day, every single week that you list it, but you should have exactly yeah. out of it. Um, I, um, I want to go back. Sorry, to- also just so I, sorry, I just want to say also oh, yeah. just so it's not like I'm trying to say it like it's me or um learn yourself which is the worst option you could if you have a friend that is um has some airbnb experience um they could also teach you um but there's there's also gaps in a lot of people's knowledge um like i find a lot of people even though they've been doing airbnb for a long time they think that 100 percent booked in advance is 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 great but there's so many moving parts and a lot of people have blind spots. So I would talk to like multiple people. If you can get like friends to be your mentor, I would get different perspectives and to formulate your own thing. If you're trying to do it for free. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Learn, learn from, learn from the people that are doing it. Um, so I'm interested to go back, just cycle all the way back to what we were talking about at the beginning. So there's kind of three ways, three ways to do this. You've got your own house and you rent out a room. That's great. That's a bit of fun. You know, you make a couple of bucks. Um, the two more interesting ones are you specifically buy an investment property and lease that out on Airbnb. And then the third that I'm most interested in is I don't have any money. Well, I'm 25 and I want to go and approach an, a property investor, who a property person who, sorry, someone that's renting out their house for 500 bucks. I want to get the head lease and I want to sublet it on Airbnb. So is what's the best like what's the best bang for your buck and return? How do you think about those options? So when you buy a place specifically for Airbnb, <clears throat> um, you get the benefit of the higher cash flow, but you also get the capital growth, which a lot of Airbnb sprookers say, ah, uh, oh, if you've got 100K to buy a place, then you should go and get five rental arbitrage places, which is where you rent someone else's place to sublet on Airbnb, which will get you a lot more cash flow. But what if the market moves? Like, what if it doubles in the next 10 years? Um, then you've got to do the maths on which one is better. So, because there's an opportunity cost if you do each one. If you buy a place, then all your money's tied up in that, and then you can't get four others on rental arbitrage. 
at, you know, say 20 grand each, including furnishing it and so on. Or if you, if you don't buy that place and you just get rental arbitrage ones, then maybe you've got 100K cash flow per year from five places, but you didn't get a property that is worth 1.2 million and maybe going to grow five or 10%, which is 50 to 100K a year or so. Anyway, you know. Mm. Um, but then if you get the rental arbitrage places, you've now got an income that can maybe help you buy other places in the future. Yeah. Well, it sounds like a great way to save up for a deposit, like doing it the rental arbitrage way is I only have 20 grand. So I'm going to buy some. So what's 20 grand going to do? Is going to buy furniture and what else do I need? So let's say for a place that's 500 bucks a week, for example, if, if anyone's going to do it higher, just double these numbers. So the one month security deposit or a bond is 4K. Uh, say two weeks rent in advance. Yep. No, it's 2K, isn't it? 2K. So 3K all up just to get the keys. Yep. And then at least 10K to furnish the place or 15K if you want to do a cracker job. So it's... It's all in the furniture. 13 to 18K to get one place. And the, the multiple that I work off is getting above 2X the rent. So I'd expect to make 25 grand a year if I rent a place for 500 bucks a week. Yeah. Okay. So how do we actually get, okay. So let's just say we're going down the sublet route, right? How do we do, how do we do it? Like, how do we, I, we found an area So again, Cronulla, living Cronulla, you've seen a rental. You're like, I know what this, this market needs. It needs a trendy cafe looking place. And look, there's a property right here. That's for rent. 500 bucks, um, I'm going to go and approach this person and say, you know what you should do? You should run it to me. I'll give you $600. I don't know. Tell me, how, what, what's it look like? Yeah, so if the – firstly, you judge how desperate are they to rent it out. Is the, are you among like 20 others at the inspection? If so, you're probably going to have to pay more for that place to, to get the keys. Yeah, because um, that's my next – that's actually my next – was going to be my next point was – we're currently in a rental crisis and they're not struggling to get tenants. Like people are paying, you know, mm-hmm. above, above market rent. So it must be harder to do this stuff during this type of period. Uh, it, w- it felt like that in, in summer. Um, mm. But there is a lot of places where there's no one rocking up and then you can get the place for less than, less than what they're asking for as well. So you just have to feel period. that out. So that's, that's just on what price to offer. And then you say, hey, you know, my name's James. I do, I do Airbnb rental arbitrage. Here's my business website. Um, that helps you. If you've got a business website, that helps you, you know, gain a bit of trust. Um, show, show the other properties that you're going for. Um, and you, you just explain to them, like, I'm not trying to cut you out of the deal and deal with only your, because the real estate agent is the gatekeeper. And you, you say, look, you're still going to be involved. I'm just going to be like a normal tenant. If there's repairs, we'll come to you. Or you could even say for any repair under 200 bucks, we'll just, we'll just sort it out. So it's going to be less work for you. And um, yeah, we want to do a, we want to do a two year lease. If you're going to furnish it yourself, make sure you get at least two years or I've never done more than two years, but so two years would be the, the one you want to go for. Uh, Cause I have had friends that have done it for one year and then, the owner decides yeah. to sell it or have the family move in and he, he just spent 30K on furniture on a three-bedder. Like, 
So you have to get that to your list, yeah. Yeah, and then you got I the logistics of getting rid of it all. Like, that'd be a bloody I just wanted to pick out something that regardless of whether you're doing Airbnb, regardless of whether you're buying a property for buy and hold, whatever it is, as much as you can, the person who is the gatekeeper, whether that be the property manager in this situation or the selling agent, like build that like as much as you can. Make sure you're, you're getting on the same team as <clears> that. Sort of, you're working together to solve the problem. Like, look, hey, mm. I want to make this easy for you. You're gonna, you're gonna, I'm gonna be a great tenant. We're gonna, we're gonna sort of repair things for under two hundred bucks. So you're not gonna have to think about that clogged toilet. Or, I mean, maybe clogged toilet costs more than two hundred bucks, but you get my point. Like, you're gonna make yeah. it, re- make a really good tenant, a really good sort of, um, yeah, and make it simple, nice. Yeah, the highest nice conversion activity to getting places is just going up to inspections and and going to. You could even go to every single one until they give you one, maybe. Maybe then, then they have to go to every <laughs> inspection and follow them around. Yeah. Um, well, I guess I guess you can just have conversations with property managers to see who's open to it and then start looking yeah. at their listings um, because you're going to find people that just don't just don't want to deal with it. And they're like, you're not going to – I'm not going to give you a property ever. Okay, great. I don't need to deal with your listings then. Um, yeah. So what, you- once you find – so yeah. just before we move on, once you find a, an agent that is happy to work with you and they see your value, then you can just get heaps more through that agent. Like one of my students, he, he got four through the same agent and that was in in the space of three months. So four places is like 80K profit a year. So he like replaced his regular income just with that through one agent. So it's not, wasn't like a ma- massive hustle to um, find four places. So, so it's that what, so we can just go ahead. So we've now got our first one. So I guess, how do you convince, just before we get it, how do you convince the, the tenant? I mean, the, the, the owner to actually do it for you? Because I don't know, I think about someone doing that and I'm just like, so you're going to have a hundred. So right now I get a 12 month lease. I get it for, we're in a rental crisis right now. It's 500 bucks, but I'm going to stretch it to 550. And then next year I'm going to renew it and I'm going to get it for six fifty. I'm also only going to have one tenant walking through my door um, rather than just a stream of a thousand feet um, trampling all over the floor and, you know, messing the place up. Like as a, as a landlord, I'm like, Oh, I don't really, I don't really want to get involved with that. Like, how do you convince them? How do you get them around it? It's a good question. So the, for a Airbnb to work, it needs to basically be in pristine, sellable condition all the time. So it gets clean like once or twice a week. If there's any small thing that needs to be repaired, that's like important to get a five star five star review, so you can keep operating profitably. It's in your best interest to look after the place uh, and put systems in place to make sure it doesn't get damaged. Because because I, I would be more worried about a place than the owner. Because if something happens to it, then I've got to pay the rent. And, or, or if something happens to it and it's going to take a few months to repair it, but we can still rent it out, then I'm going to be earning less rent because there's something wrong with it or, or it's, the listing is going to be ruined. So it's in both of your best interest to have a, a place that's pristine and looks after and behaving guests. And there's things that you can put in place to, to make sure that you get respectable guests. What's that? Might as well ask this now. The the the, yeah. the the sort of typical like 
part of the, the objection is, oh, I'm going to get people who are going to party and, and, and wreck the joint and do all that sort of stuff, which, hey, I've been away on boys' weekends. We, we party sometimes. But, um, you, know, you know, like how do you sort of – because I, I've sort of – I put my details in. I'm like, yeah, of course we're not going to have a party. Like how do you oh, then sort of – Every single Bucks that? party that I've been to, we are having a church gathering or we're having a we're having something well, you just don't say anything just say no i'm not going to have any of these situations so do you then sort of have um, eyes on the street like neighbors or like how do you how do you do that what's your so technique? so firstly like uh, if i'm going to manage a place and then it's up up to the owner where they want to list the place you can list it on only airbnb and only to people with positive reviews uh, in the past too. so you know that everyone has a track record um, that's not the most oh. profitable way to do it because then it's not showing up to all the other platforms and it's not showing up to the guests that have just joined Airbnb because Airbnb is constantly growing, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So it's kind of like, do you, you can choose for optimal safety, but then you're foregoing, you're leaving money on the table or you yeah. can open up to everyone and, um, and earn more money, but then there's slightly more risk of, of parties because uh, if, if you don't know about a review from someone in the past. So then then after that, it's up to what does your place look like? Because if you've got a nice trendy place and it's, say, only um, if it's just a one-bedroom, it's going to attract a certain type of, of guests, like a couple or something that are here for a holiday. And your calendar is yeah. probably going to fill up with people looking for that thing. Um, yeah. If you... You're not, you're not going to have... You're not going to have 10 people uh, like on a, on a bucks or... like. Whereas if you have a 10, uh, 5 or 6 bedroom place, then that's sort of potentially right for people who may go and party. Yeah. yeah so someone, then... The, someone then here, he's do, like, I, I got 30 grand with which are, are furnished, but it sleeps 11. I charge 1200 bucks a night. Like that's the probably the party house, right? Uh, yeah, like yeah. If I was, if I was, um, if me and Jeff were going to go on a on a party holiday, yeah, we'd probably look for that place. But then it's about what do you put in your house rules? So you want to basically scare off uh, people like people like Jeff. Um, I probably wouldn't book through Airbnb to party because I don't want to get kicked off or something because I got I host mm. with them. Um, but. Um, uh. Uh, what was I saying? Yeah, so house rules. So you want to you want to have a um, uh, you want to say that we're going to charge you and evict you if you do party. Uh, you want to say you want to get something called a minutes device. Uh, M I N U T. Just Google that. Um, it's like a small fee per month, and they they measure decibels. So you get an alert after a certain decibel threshold, and you can put one in each room, and then you have it have it on an app on your phone. And you get an alert once that decibel has been breached for your desired minutes. So if you want to know once 70 decibels is breached for 15 minutes, you can get an alert and you can even pay extra for them to um, automatically send a text message to the guest and a message through Airbnb. Um, pay like we noticed yeah. you've been this is the, noisy. This is the craziest thing. And this is the funny thing. I didn't even, you don't even think about that, but you can actually put a device in the house that, lets people know that they're being too loud. Like it beeps and does all that crazy stuff, alerts you as the, <clears throat> the guest and then alerts them for being too loud. So that's yeah. a pretty good safeguard. It's, it also does um, how many Bluetooth devices are nearby that thing, like within a few oh. metres. So, so if there's a place for 
um, five bedrooms, then you'd expect 10 people to be staying. So if there's, say, 15 or 20 Bluetooth devices nearby and the noise level is high, then you've got a fair bit of evidence that there's a party going on. And there's another thing. Uh, it measures humidity as well. So, oh. so why do you need so to measure all these humidity? Things, like, well, a party is... Titanic. Um, when a party is, is getting a bit heated, the humidity is higher. Oh, as well. okay. So yeah. basically, this all gives you evidence to say to Airbnb, yeah, look, they're definitely having a party. This is our proof. Um, mm -hmm. We need to enforce this um, $500 or $1,000, $1,500 penalty, and we need to evict these guests. So so you, you explain that in your house rules. Send the house rules after they book as well, so they have um, the chance to – probably most people don't read the house rules before they book, so you send it again in a message after they book. And then they uh, have the chance to cancel it in the grace period and book someone else's place that, that isn't doing this sort of thing. Um, yeah. Have you and... been saved by some of these? Like, have you implemented and got had to whack someone with one of these fines? Uh, I I have smaller places, um, but I so I don't I don't have real part places that are great for parties. Um, but my friend has, has succeeded with this. Yeah. Cause he had like a penthouse sort of place that is perfect for parties. Um, there was another thing I wanted to say, uh, you can also say like the property is next to a really picky neighbor and we've had them call the police before, as soon as there's a, there's a party issue. So please just don't book the place cause it's not worth us going through that again. Um, mm. so yeah, my house rules are like really naggy and strict. Um, about that so if you're a normal guest it doesn't affect you so it's not a it's not a big deal to be naggy in your your house rules um and then that scares off anyone that because why would you book a place like like mine when it says all that when you could just book someone else's place that doesn't have any of this you know yeah, yeah. Definitely. so why have you decided to go smaller units and like smaller places rather than the the larger ones yourself so where where i do it uh actually i have i haven't had experience with larger places um i did have a five better place um i just found that the larger the place it kind of gets more niche on who you're looking for right. so there's more a couple is not going to go to a five bed place like there's no need yeah that's why all hotels have one bedroom or studio rooms because most people are just two people traveling yeah. so Typically, that's what works, but there is pockets where you can earn a lot of money from from bigger places. Like like that guy said, I've got a twelve hundred a night place for five beds. You know, probably like a Byron Bay awesome. would, would would work quite well for that. Byron Bay, maybe. Yeah, I bet. But yeah, yeah, um, and then yeah, it's just up to the the multiple. Typically, the larger a place is, the multiple is smaller. So if you if it's a place as a studio, you're probably going to get over two x. You rent it for five hundred, rent it out for twelve hundred a week. But if it, if it's a thousand dollars or fifteen hundred dollars, maybe you won't double your money. Maybe you'll only make a fifty or seventy percent extra. Mm, okay. but it's on a larger number, right? So it's, it's still it's still pretty. Well, it's kind yeah, of exactly. kind of like when people say that they got they got hundred percent capital growth on two hundred k, but you you made two hundred k, whereas yeah. But no, I, th I think it's it yeah. sounds more scale though because you can actually you can almost rinse and repeat. Whereas on those bigger properties, I mean, I don't know. I suppose you could, but you'd have to 
yeah, I think it's <clears throat> you find the, the property managers so different challenges. Yeah. Okay. So <clears throat> we now. So how do we? Is it that easy? Like, is it that easy to just find a place? Hey, Mister Agent, look. Like we're gonna we're gonna rent it out. I'll pay you six hundred bucks, and it'll stay there for two years. I'll fit it out, and then week the next week, you just got Airbnbs coming on through. So I can break down like yeah the timeline, um, but just on in terms of is it that easy? So it's so it's not like it's not easy. It's not like you could just rock up and get your first one. It's like there is there is difficulty to it. You might have to go to go. fifty inspections before you get one, but mm-hmm. you can't let that you can't let that discredit you because 50 inspections, each, each one takes half an hour. It's like t- 25 to 30 hours work for you to then earn 25 K a year, at least, you know, for as long as you've got the place, like it's a really good um, investment. And, and also, as I mentioned, once you've got your foot in the door with one agent, you can then get more. Um, what was the other question? Uh, so typically you'll, try and start the lease say a week or 10 days away from whenever you sign it and pay it. Um, and then you order stuff from like catch.com.au, um, mydeal.com.au, um, you know, furniture. flat pack furniture, et cetera. You rent a, rent a van on, you know, whatever your local car sharing app is, go pick up a, a nice Chesterfield couch or a caramel Brown um, couch not let modern cash what or whatever you're trying to do in that place okay see if you can find a smeg fridge or something or stainless steel fridge um just start getting stuff ready so then when you get those keys uh, all your deliveries have already arrived or about to arrive and then you just um throw people in there to help you on on air task don't try and do everything yourself to save money because every day that you get it done sooner is a day closer that you're earning 200 bucks a night so you may as well just pay people um, to help you out. That's the lesson that I've learned. I used to just do all, everything myself. Um, and uh, yeah, so you can typically for me, I mean, when I was doing almost everything myself, it would take me about 10 days to furnish a place. So you could cut that down to okay. like, you could take that, cut that down to like five days if you get two people to help you and get that lead time. It takes so long. Jesus. It's just like moving house. Moving in, moving out. But I well, guess it is. It is, yeah. Cardboard, right? <laughs> yeah, but you, there's also companies you can play, uh, pay to do it for you. Um, it's just a premium. So if you're a bit cashed up, then, you know, it's, it's not a big deal to, like, let's say you buy a place and you're older, just pay just pay a company to, um, to do it money, for you. And... Money solves most problems, as they say. So, but yeah, you yeah. can either do it, you can either do it um, cheap and slower sometimes or, or quick and quick and more, a bit more expensive. One thing yeah. I want to, sorry, I want to ask about this because it keeps coming up. People keep asking about council approval. Um, if you're subletting, do you need to council approve? Um, you don't need them to approve that specific, that you're doing that or anything like that. Um, in New South Wales or, or Sydney, there's a um, a platform where you just register. Yeah, this is the property. You upload the proof that you've got the permission from the owner. By the way, we didn't speak about it before. You get the you get at least addendum like i'm allowed to do airbnb and a couple of other points um and what are the other points cancel approval so yeah addendum uh like i'm gonna get at least two sets of keys or three sets of keys um 
I'm responsible for anyone that's in the place and if they right. damage if they damage it. Um my responsibility. Especially given given the it sounds like giving the landlord some some sort of comfort and protection that, that you are actually serious about what, what you're sort of doing. You're not you're not just a yeah a, a ride ride by the night sort of cowboy who's gonna lend it to any, listed anybody. You're actually serious about Yeah, exactly. The other thing um, exactly. I wanted to ask: What about Strata? Like, what, how do you investigate whether you obviously would do that due diligence up front, or like, how do you understand that? Yeah, so for apartments, you want to make sure the place doesn't have a bylaw preventing um, Airbnb or short-term rentals. Uh, definitely don't bother if if it if it does have that. Um, how do you find that out? You got to go through the real estate and. You yeah you'd have to get the real estate agent to request it from the owner, or you can also just call the Strata company. Uh, not really. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah. I, I guess you could pay for it off the Strata, or you, or you can also like look at places for sale in the same building and and ask them for the Strata thing. That's true. That's a very good. One. <laughs> it's a it's a good way to do it. <laughs> uh, there was something I wanted to cover on the the rules around around it um there is this big bad boy here um i think it's worthwhile definitely covering off the legislation side of things so can you talk to so it says here there's a comment that's come in in new south wales the restrictions of 180 nights in greater sydney area so can you tell us what that actually means and how we should think about this as airbnb investors yeah perfect so basically it used to be you can rent out your place for 365 nights a year and it's all good. Now it is, you can rent it out for 180 nights a year um, for stays of less than 21 nights. If there is a stay of 21 nights or over, it doesn't count towards your 180 day timer. Mm, okay. okay. All right. Okay. So you basically just have to book the guests on a longer term stay from the sounds of it. You'd be upset, upset with a 20 day, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So you can um, you can just set a discount on Airbnb for 21 nights stay. So you try and get that. So now let's talk about um, how to think about that. Mm. So let's say 20, 2019, where it was 365. I mean, you came in later, but let's talk about a normal market pre-COVID. Um, it was say 80% occupancy. So that means already 20% of the year. 73 nights of the year already that were empty mm-hmm. and you already were getting about 25% of your bookings at 21 nights or well, I was because I, I like longer stays because the the maths just add up if you give someone a discount for 21 nights and you don't have to fit then you don't have empty nights and stuff like that it's a good thing and it's less it's less work and so on so um, 20% did you say 20% of your nights would be over 21 nights 25% Five percent. Yeah, yeah. So, so already, what's twenty? So we got seventy-three nights. Seventy-three nights, twenty percent empty mm-hmm. already. And then if we got twenty-five percent over twenty-one nights, that's ninety-one nights. So ninety-one plus what was it? Seventy-five. That's about one hundred and six. One hundred and sixty-six nights already were kind of accounted for accounted for. So it's not mm. that big of a change really. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The other, the other thing is, uh, there was it was a complete free for all before. There was people renting out without permission, and now there's a hurdle in place, so there's less Airbnbs. So you can then there's less supply, but the demand hasn't changed, so the prices are higher. Mm. So don't get scared off by council approval. Now I can't speak to all the states, mm-hmm. but typically the higher the higher the hurdle, the higher the reward is on the other side. So just spend the time to figure out what's going on. Don't just think, ah, oh, it's too complicated. Like, don't you need council approval? Yeah, maybe you do need council approval, but just figure out how to go and get it. And then most people are going to be too scared to like, or too lazy to even go through that. So it's just like everything that is going to be less like Joe says, the, the barrier, the higher the barrier, potentially the higher reward, as you're saying. This... Yeah. And, and, and it's kind of like any, like people sort of, the problem people find is they're sort of, they'll try, they'll dabble in the Airbnb pond and it won't work. And they'll say, no, Airbnb doesn't work. It's the same thing with property investing. Some people go and buy a house and land package and they won't, they'll just go and buy the first object they see. And they'll say, actually, property investing doesn't work. I'm going to not do that now when they actually just didn't sort of take the time to, yeah. to sort of educate and lots of stuff. So, so what's, what's the kind of general thing that's happening with this whole legislation side of things of Airbnb? Like it seems like in my limited knowledge of Airbnb that the government is trying to stricken it up a little bit so how do you think about how do you think about that? Um, and does each state have to have a different kind of curl tail around it? Because I guess right now there's there's no for New South Wales for that 160 day thing is that's just it's 160 days now. You're losing a little bit of you're losing six days. Uh, yeah, like 15 days or so. Um, so what was the question again? Well, like, how do how you, do we, yeah, I guess, how do you think it? about, yeah, I guess it doesn't, it's not really a bother for you. It's by the sounds of things. I guess that's how you think about it. The cost of doing business, <laughs> Joe. I mean, yeah. How do you, how do you, how do you think about, yeah. how did you think about when Queensland was going to bring in the land tax? How did you feel about that? Did you just say, oh, look, I'm not going to do investing in Queensland now? I mean, some people I probably did. people saying that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People saying I, that. I, I like when people were doing that because I was like, you know, I, I sense of opportunity. I mean, not, not, to, not to be greedy, but just to sort of say, hey, look, people think that's too hard. Just figure out a way. But yeah. Is that how now, you think one, about it, Jay? One thing to, to note here yeah. is um, why sign a two-year lease and spend 15K on furniture on a site that needs council approval? You may not get council approval. Um, can you just clear that one up? Okay, so this must be for another state because I, I don't need to get council approval for mine in order to host because you yeah. just register it and then you get your ID and you attach to the listing and that's the end of it. Um, so if, I mean, I can't really talk about it cause I don't know how it works in other states. No, um, cool. I think that was the to... answer. I think it was just, you actually register for it. You don't need the council to approve it because that would just feel, yeah. I don't think any council would say you need full council permission because it would take months for them to process all of the forms. So I think there would be, I mean, maybe they, maybe they will. I don't know, but maybe no idea. Post to the person that asked that, just find out what is, what is the, everything that's going on with the council approval process and how does it all work? Can you do it before? Can you register something before even signing the lease? Uh, Yeah. Just, just understand what, 
Yeah, I understand what's required because then you can sort of say, well, hey, look, there's always, as I said, going back to my quote, there's, there's no, there's no risk. There's very no risk-free investing. It's about managing that risk because otherwise, you know, you, yeah, you might have so, the same guarantee. So call up the council, see if you can get an understanding, jump in some Airbnb Facebook groups, see what, how other people got it, got it happening. Um, mm. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty much all I can think of. Or Google, there's sometimes, um, articles written on it explaining it read multiple articles because there might be differing perspectives uh and then yeah maybe, maybe it is impossible in some areas now i'm not sure um but, but also maybe it is possible and then there's big profits on the other side australia is a big place too but yeah i agree like find, yeah, find well, the, that's, um... that's the other thing do it somewhere where you can do it you could, yeah. you could even do it in sweden or america or something that there's uh, it's going to be slightly more difficult to like get a, a company set up, but it's not, it's not actually, it's not like a crazy impossible thing. You can host overseas as well. Well, I mean, you're, you're living proof. You're a visa right now. <laughs> you're doing these well, yeah, there's, in Australia. There's about 18 back home. And then there's two in Stockholm that I haven't seen since like I left in 2018. So. Okay. Okay. So, so I'm a little, I'm a little entrepreneur. I'm 20, 22. I've got, you know, 20 grand, 50 grand of cash. And I'm going to go now get one Airbnb. Boom. Like you're, like you're, you're kind of person that was there before. I'm going to get another one. I'm going to get another one. And then all of a sudden I have a boatload of admin. I need to clean. I need to inspect. I need to, I need to run bookings. I need to remove people. I need to offer fees and offer fines. I want to talk about the business of running Airbnb. Um, but before we do that, we have to jump to this ad. But that's what I want to talk to next. Um, it just felt a bit spammy, didn't it? Um, but I'm excited to unpack the business there. <laughs> I was very, 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 tucker. very yeah. smooth. Smooth, smooth as silk. The amazing thing with commercial property investing is that in most cases, it's cash flow positive from day one, which means that you can drive those profits towards paying down the debt. There are instances with commercial property investing where you can actually have the property pay itself off over 10 years, which is absolutely crazy. With commercial property, you get massive net yields, so you can expect anywhere between 6 to 10%. And as we've seen in the current boom, these properties not only provide large cash flow, they do certainly grow wildly in value too. Now, with big rewards comes some risk, and this is why you should de-risk your investment as much as possible. And the way you do that is with expert due diligence. And this is why we highly recommend people hire professionals to help you along in your investing journey. Steve Polisi of Polisi Property is one such expert. Being a chartered mechanical and structural engineer in a past life, Steve draws on his analytical and mathematical skills to do that expert due diligence for you. With six years' experience in the space, Steve has over 1,200 property transactions under his belt. He's the guy you want in your corner, crunching the numbers and finding the best properties in the best locations, along with ensuring that you avoid the mistakes. Steve has actually even written the book on commercial property investing in Australia. And not only is it a bestseller, I believe it to be the most comprehensive in commercial property investing on the market today. He's been generous enough to give us a massive discount for our audience of 50%. So use the code OZPROP, click the link below, get a copy today and start learning and getting on your commercial property investing journey. Good. What a voice. Okay. The business of Airbnb. I've got five Airbnbs now. I'm pulling my hair out. 
Oh, it's it's running low. The shout head. out to Belize. Congrats on your on your first uh, first little one. Well done, mate. Oh yeah, congrats, mate. Congrats. I'm sure he's watching right now. He's probably well, he is. <laughs> he's not sleeping. So yeah. <laughs> no, the business of business of Airbnb. Tell us all about it. Yep. How do you manage it? Yeah. So when I my I, when I first started, I think I had like five or seven, and then I had to like send messages when I was on a date in Sweden or something at ten thirty, or I'd have to like jump on a call because the guest was locked out or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I the first step is. Uh, hiring a virtual assistant from the Philippines uh, on upwork.com. Um, okay. there's, there's an art to finding a, a good one. It's, it, it takes a while to teach, but um, you want to get a, a good VA. Uh, what's, an, what's the art? What's the, what's the secret to getting a good uh, Airbnb, Airbnb helper? Uh, you got to check that they got attention to detail. So hide words in your long job application if they don't and, and tell them start your application with that word. If they don't yeah. um, if they don't start start it with that word, you know that they didn't read it, so don't even read, just decline their application. Yeah. Um, I actually do that. I do that like I get little ad jobs and I say, What you know, if there's a little picture, what colours the picture? Or what colours my logo? Yeah. And then and then it's like, Okay, cool, okay, cool. So we get someone yeah. on Upwork. Um what do they do? What's their job role? So they would um, basically every time you do something in any business, you should try to think, should I be doing this or can I get someone else to do it? If someone else can do it, download an app on your computer called Loom um, yep. and then record a quick video explaining that, explaining to them how to do it. Um, and they just store all your Looms somewhere um, so that they can follow it when they need to do something. So yeah, they'll, they'll just do everything that you're doing. They'll send messages um, they'll prepare, you can even get them to pre- prepare like message templates based on your old messages. Um, they'll book it, make sure the cleaner is, is in, create a WhatsApp group with the cleaning company that you use, your VA and you, and get them talking to each other. Hey, just confirm these are the two cleans that you got today. Please send me a video once that's done. Uh, okay, great. Oh, I noticed that you... I noticed that you only put two towels in the bit. Like, tell the VA what they need, the cleaning company needs to do. You have a, a cleaning checklist. If you want to be a real pain for the cleaners, you can say, send me a video of you showing every single thing on the checklist that it's done. And don't leave the property until the VA checks that it's been done. You can do that. God. Um, or you can send someone after, like, like I've got a guy that works for me called Miles that um, checks 30% of the cleans. So the cleaners know. Yeah, quality, have to go back. quality assurance, quality. You don't want miles on your back. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's not it's not as complicated as it seems. But yeah, there there is a bit of admin work and you just gotta you, you gotta get to that point where you can outsource that. But also if you if your place is making money, it, it only costs like like eight hundred Australian dollars a month to get a, a good virtual assistant working for you part time. Um, so if you're making 500 bucks a week from one place, you could almost get a VA, like, I mean, well, you, particularly, could, you could particularly still, if, um, particularly if you've got like sort of more like a couple of these 21 day stays, you'd imagine that, well, there's not a lot of work if somebody's paying, staying 21 days. I mean, there's probably a little bit of upfront work to check them in and all that. And then at the end of it, but during the middle of the stay, there's probably not going to be too much that needs to be done. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
but yeah, I so one lesson that I learned is yeah, try just pay for a VA like as soon as you can. Don't don't skimp out and think and and do the work yourself because you don't want to pay a thousand bucks a month. Like just get a VA as soon as you can, and because then like you learn from experience have more time to make more money. Yeah. Is that what happened with you? Did you try and like juggle? Well, I mean, you had five properties on the go. I guess that's quite a heavy load. Yeah, I think I had five or seven or something, and and it was too much work. And then I got yeah. a VA from five till midnight every day to, so I could just work nine to five, but I could have just gotten someone to cover the whole thing. Like you can do it. You can even do deals with VAs. Like I, you can say, uh, I need you to just do all the guest columns from nine till, till 9am till nighttime. You don't have to sit at your desk or anything. You can just message from your phone and this is what you can get. So just like find someone mm. to do what you need them to do. Um, yeah. And just charge by the hour. Hey, you're on call, but you know, it's if you're working for another company, you can still, you know, type a message and no one's gonna know. Um, yeah. So so they could there's also VAs that have full time jobs and they can do a job for yeah. you on, on the side for cheap, yeah. Yeah. So what are some of the other tips of like what do you ask the VA to do and what kind of experience do they need to have? Like how do you think about hiring the right Virtual assistant. So VA stands for virtual assistant, everyone, by the way. Yeah. Um, make that clear. Uh, so what, there was a couple of questions. Uh, what was the what, tips what, for? Yeah. How do we get the good ones and what do we ask them to do for us? Yeah. So just in addition to getting them to type the words, if they don't do like put three words in your long application, if they don't do it exactly as you say it, like, put the word elephant in capitals, put the word banana with a capital B and lowercase. If they don't do it exactly perfectly, don't hire them because I hired a guy and he seemed great in the interview, but then he, he didn't have attention to detail later. So it was expensive. So if they're not doing doing well after a couple of weeks, you need to fire quickly. Don't just put up with it. Um, that's a lesson that I've learned. You just got to be really strict and um, fire quickly and um, yeah, pay them for their time. Like with notice, like don't try and screw them over. Um, and do you keep paying them through right. Upwork because Upwork takes like twenty percent or thirty percent or forty. Uh, so I do it fun. for the first couple of months until I trust them, and then I move it off the platform because then you've got the leverage of leaving them a bad review if they screw you over at the start or or whatever. Yeah, or you can yeah. just keep them through Upwork, and then and then you have like it's ten percent, but it's to make sure that they're working. Like, cause you can also see their screen at random times, like with the, tr the work tracker. So it's uh, almost worth that 10%. Yeah. Cause otherwise they yeah. could be like watching YouTube and you can see how many clicks they've got on their computer and stuff like that. So if, if you're cool. paying them to sit at the desk and do work for you, but their activity level on the keyboard is like zero and they're just watching YouTube, <laughs> then you can say, Hey, like you can't charge me for that. Like that's not, that's not right. Yeah. No, it's worth so the 10%. Freaking what, what what are some of the things that they what, what do you do what do you do when you own an airbnb rental like yeah like, so so the things that that i do right now that i haven't been able to outsource yet is um pricing and yep. paying invoices um okay. what else is there oh uh, and then i just sort of make sure it's running correctly so i use slack to communicate to the team and then I send voice messages instead of typing to save time. Um, that on saves exact your stuff. <laughs> yeah. You got to um, listen to it. 
Yeah. Um, I, yeah, and then I have exact instructions for them to do, and they can replay it as much as they want. Um, so that, that's what I do. Um, what they do is, um, you know, coordinate miles. Like, hey, can you go go here and do this thing? Can um, they'll, they'll they'll even book in an electrician or um, someone to come and fix something. Um, do they jump on the phone? Yeah, yeah. So we use uh, Skype phone thing uh, like a VoIP yeah. it's like 10 yeah. 20 bucks a month yeah um and it looks like it's an Australian number as well it's like zero two nine etc yeah um I almost forget what they do now <laughs> well, if anyone has any questions about this little section talking about virtual assistants i think this is like a whole new world to a lot of people in the property investing space especially like it's always like you're the property investor you're obviously you outsource to a property manager but they don't outsource like admin and stuff where you're actually managing someone to do the thing to do the thing for you so so mm. all you do is you have the slack like what does the tech look like you got slack to communicate with them back and forward and then you got you got skype voice system how what else do you need uh so once so if you want to host on multiple platforms you're going to need a channel manager i use something called host away a channel manager is basically a dashboard that manages your channels. So you have booking.com, VRBO, Airbnb, uh, right? So all the information within the dashboard, like you, you have message templates, like where's where can we park in this location? Yeah, here's all the places you can park. Here's the message template send out. So then it, you send it, you just have that dashboard that you're um, working from and that sends the message to the relevant channel, like Airbnb, for example. Then Price Labs is plugged into that as well. And you have your markups for different channels. So you might charge 30% extra for booking.com. You can set that within the channel manager. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff, you look yeah. confused. No, 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 I'm not confused. I want, I want to, I want to, I ha- we've got heaps of questions that, um, oh, yeah. I, Joe, Joe's geeking out on the tech side of things and he's trying to, I think I can, I can picture Joe next in the next month. He's going to have set up his first Airbnb. Oh, you have to, yes. Yeah. I mean, we probably should do one, Joe. Not we, but maybe. We'll talk about it offline. But no, <laughs> we're, doing, um, we're doing Oz property. We're doing Oz property Airbnb. Oz, no, no, no. Where Oz property but, uh, sets it up and we just market. <laughs> no, okay. we, we can't do that. But what, I, what I wanted to know, uh, if, if um, we can go back to Joe, but you, you um, one of the questions you mentioned, or we sort of skirt around a little bit, was about self-managing versus getting someone else to manage. Yeah. Have, have you ever, yeah. like, what are the considerations when doing this? Yeah, so if you've only got one place, um, think about it logically. Mm. Is it really worth you doing it yourself and not doing a perfect job and leaving at least 20% on the table as opposed to getting a management company to do it for you, take 20% and not leave any money on the table. So they're basically doing it for free as opposed to you doing it. And then you have this thing that you need to learn the whole learning curve. So for anyone out there doing, doing that and you, you don't plan to do more than one or, or, or to even two, um, I would still use a management company. Um, it also comes down to like, what is that person's time worth if they're a CEO or something that's already busy? 
don't bother learning Airbnb because you won't do it properly. You won't have time or the headspace to, to learn it. So uh, the thing that you want to look for is, is the management company working for me or are they just doing it for themselves to make their job easier and getting a big portfolio? So there's some That's companies out there. That, Sorry, that, uh, there's some companies out there that have like a five night minimum stay or a 10 night minimum stay in peak season. So that's great for them. They're making like 20% of like a 10 grand booking over New Year's Eve, two grand for like organizing cleaning and seeing a few messages, but they're not squeezing out. So, so what happens if there's a four night gap and their minimum stay is five nights and they just have it at, oh, we don't accept four night stays, you know, and that the host has no idea. The host has no idea. So they're just getting screwed over and the, the management company is getting the goods. a percentage for making you less money. So you need to make sure that they're willing to squeeze out every dollar from that occupancy rate and the, the pricing. Um, so do you have so to manually to... set this up? Because you were like, you know, five weeks out, it's five days, then it goes to four days, then it goes to three days, then two days. Do you have to manually go into the platform and say, okay. Uh, no, you do that in Price Labs. You set it in the settings so it does it all for you. And yeah. then there's a few things you have to do manually. Um, what do you have to do manually? What yeah. can't you, like, what can't I get software to do? Uh, so you can, you can do almost everything manually, but I like to do it myself in case, because for example, you can get price labs to discount it last minute, but maybe it doesn't need to be discounted. So, mm. I, so I'll just do that myself. And a good lesson on pricing is look at what other people are charging and price yourself accurately for those exact states. So, so if you have the time to do that, if you've got a four night gap for this exact place, go on Airbnb, type in that four night gap, look at who you're competing against, make sure you're priced competitively within those because otherwise uh, you could be charging too much and you won't get booked at all or charging too little and you left 500 bucks on the table when you could have, you, you might've already been the cheapest in the market. So, just be slightly cheaper than the, the the next one. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if a booking is going to come. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of times. Uh, did, we get, did we get off? Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Oh, topics no, no, to no, no. Right. have a management company. Yeah. Should we yeah, use... get them to show examples of other properties and what they're earning and make sure that what you're going to earn at the end of the day is, is even worth it as well yeah and have you got like a threshold where you're like you know what i can't make any money on this deal um like do, where do you say oh my gosh this is a, an absolute stunner or like this is kind of on the fence where do you kind of leave it because you know like some people have like I, i'm only going to buy a five percent yielding property that's it i mean it's probably a flawed assumption to go to to, to try that but um, you know, I, I have to make double my money. That's, is that your threshold? If I, if I'm not making double my money, I'm not interested. Uh, no, I'm, I'd probably be, so when I do my feasibility, I, th I look at like, what's the minimum that I can expect to earn per year and what's the maximum. And if the minimum is like 20 K then, then I'll probably go ahead with it. Cause the minimum, that's the minimum. How do you work out the minimum? That you're going to earn because the minimum's well not zero, but it could be close to zero, right? Like not zero, but uh, yeah, how do you, well, work you, out you look at what others are charging, 
and occupancy rate that they're they're doing based on like their DNA and manually checking if you know how often are the your competitors getting booked, and um, yeah, you make a calculated calculated risk on it, and then I'm not sure how it works in different states, but but if it doesn't work, you can always break the lease. So yeah, that's the worst case scenario. Yeah, and it's it's just I, I think um like like all types of other it's about having your sort of exit trades and just and just playing out or like a, having a free scenario like what's your worst case scenario like if you have to absolutely break the lease what is it going to cost you versus your sort of yeah. what you expect to happen versus your like if you hit the lights out and you get like a couple of twenty one night lease or get mm. a, a number yeah and and that's what I like to do just do sensitivity analysis is that do you do a bit of that as well or understand where you sensitivity analysis do you mean yeah just to sort of so like like low medium and high and then to sort of understand what like how profitable each sort of scenario or scenario analysis. i don't know what it is what if analysis. yeah yeah i just have a range of low and high and yeah. usually pretty confident with the low and if it's if it's going to be worth it then i'll go ahead yeah on, onto a big oh sorry joe you're gonna i think this one was a big one insurance how does that, how does that work for you anyway like what do you do you use a broker for insurance or you just sort of so the only insurer i could find I, i'm not sure if it was australia-wide or new south wales uh there was a there's a lady called veronica from senita c-e-n-e-t-a um she's a broker and then they use someone called blue zebra for insurance they're the only ones that i could find that could cover someone in my situation where i'm um, I don't own the property, but there's, there's quite a few options if you do own the property. Um, one of which I think is share cover. Um, but the last time I checked for that was like a year ago, but, um, yeah, just give them a call, find out what's covered. Um, the is other thing expensive? is, uh, uh, no, it's only like five to 700 a year. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. Um, Airbnb has something called air cover and they, they cover some things, um, not everything. I think it's mostly mostly damages, um, but it's like any insurance company. Um, they might not. They might try and get out of it, or they might just cover everything instantly. I've heard examples of both. I just had a look at their reviews. So, like, uh, very typical for an insurance company, their reviews, um, Blue Zebra. But um, I think, yeah, people <laughs> oh, are typically okay. unhappy. Right. Yeah, people are unhappy with yeah. insurance company. I've yeah. never written a good review about an insurance company. That's for sure. <laughs> I've never written a review. Actually, so I have travel insurance, tra- travel insurance direct, like flew my dad home from um, Fiji, slipped and broke his hip. It was like 200 K on a private jet or something like, and they were, they were so good. Wow. Yeah. They deserve it. Okay. Well, yeah. there you go. It's not, <laughs> they're not, they're the good guys. not all bad. So what, just so, cause we've been rattling off different platforms and I know I'm kind of taking it a different way. Um, but what are the platforms that are mandatory must-haves? Air DNA, uh, yes. What are they? What are the, like the, the the top ten toolbox tips for Airbnb people? Um, so I use this this thing called um, Sane. Let me just Google to get it right. Sanebox, I think it's called. It's to manage your email. Yeah, Sanebox.com, and it's mm. basically routes your emails to a certain folder. So all my Airbnb emails go into one folder, all my invoices. It just kind of learns learns what each email is and routes it because you, you don't want to have you don't want to miss emails. I use Spark 
for uh, it's an app for email management, so you can have multiple emails on there, um, and it's I just see. like a really nice user experience. Uh, WhatsApp for different you know groups with each cleaning company and groups with my VAs and and groups with VAs and Miles. So we use that for like more urgent comms. Um, and then we use Slack for kind of more heavy duty, um, longer form tasks that need a bit of back and forth. Uh, I try to avoid meetings because only 50% of the things in a meeting are actually done because it's not recorded. Um, then we use ClickUp for like a to-do list. And then there's, there's an app, uh, kind of d dashboard for each employee uh, with a due date on the task and exp explanation of the task. And then they can adjust the due date on, you know, according to their schedule. So oh, and the other thing is um, just Google Docs and having SOPs or a statement of process. Um, and it's just recording everything on how to, to do it, how to do a particular task. Um, yeah. One thing, one thing also is just, um, you know, like the mo most common problem in any business is when you tell someone to do something and then they don't do it. So I've got this thing called a golden keys SOP. And it just explains the exact thing on like when you receive a task, here's the template on how to reply to it. Like got this James, I'll do it by this day. I know I sound like a terrible boss, but like it, like it works. Um, <laughs> the so they, they can only reply with these th three things, right? Not, not like, okay, we'll do. And then it's just like, well, when are they going to do it? Say when you're going to do it by. And then if you, for some reason at a later date, you get swamped with work, that's fine. Just tell me like, I need to endorse this. I need to give this task to someone else to make sure we can get it done by the due date. Or I need to um, get an extension on when I can do it by stuff like that. So it's because you're not, when you're running an, a remote team, you're not in an office, you can't see if someone's busy or stressed. So that acts as like a threshold on, you can't say that you were too busy to do it because you, then that's why I didn't do it. You, because you should have said, I'm too busy, I'm sick or whatever, which is all good. So you need to either endorse it or ask for an extension basically, or say, I need it. I, I, can, I can do it by this So day. endorse it is give it away. Give it away to someone yeah. else. So yeah. that there's some really great little tools. What are the, um, the foundational ones that you run your Airbnb business on? And we've already mentioned AirDNA. So AirDNA, <laughs> what, what are like the, what are the other ones that I must have? I must, you must sign up to this, this, and this to run a successful Airbnb business. There was that price one as well, which would sound yeah, good. yeah, price exactly. labs. So yeah, that looks, that looks great. Uh, host away. Yeah, the channel one. manager. Yeah, um, that's uh, that's pretty much the main ones actually. AirDNA. What's touch stay? Host away, isn't it? Host oh, touch stay. Host away. Yep. Touch state, I haven't heard of that. And then we had ClickUp. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I just meant like the Airbnb-specific platforms because that's obviously how you manage oh, okay, the thing. But, yeah, I just like what am I signing up to as an Airbnb host to run my thing successfully? Yeah, so at the start, you really only need Airbnb and Price Labs probably for the first like six months. You won't even list on, on other platforms. You don't need to overcomplicate it. You can easily just use Airbnb only. Yeah. That's why I did for the first couple of years, like just Airbnb. Was there a Love question it. there? Or? Yeah. 
Um, I, wanted, I, wanted, I, wanted, I think um, so. Jen's asked a couple. I think I think maybe she's asked in a different way. So I like it when people are persistent. They've asked the same, same similar question the same way. So she said, "Where do you get? Where do you source your furniture? And do you use smart locks?" Yeah, great question. How do you give the people the keys because you're not there? Yeah. So uh, for the locks, we use lock boxes. Um, we we put them outside the property. If we're allowed to attach it to the property, we'll do that and get a tradesman to screw it in so it can't be removed. Um, otherwise, we'll use like a bike lock and a lock box on the end of that, you know, the bike lock and then the lock box yeah. connects it together. Uh, I use like these um, these ones from Bunnings that are quite big. They're about $85 and they fit lots of different types of keys. Um, and it's just got a four-digit code. Get the sliding thing. But then can't, that's, that's, doesn't, doesn't anyone just have like the four-digit code? Sweet. I'll come back next week and I'll just get the four-digit code. You have, to change, you have to change it regularly, yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, there is, there is yeah, one. You've got to um, do that. Like that's what that's what the yeah somebody the cleaners do that. Your VA can't do it. Physical bloody ticketing. Yeah, so like Miles is like the hands of legs of the VAs basically, so they use him to like to do stuff. Um, So so that's that that was a question that someone had was talking about Mr. Miles. Hey James, you've covered how you pay your VAs, but how do you answer the other question? Uh, Yeah, how do you pay your furniture? What do you source your furniture? Oh god! Now we're going. Do all I use the smart shop. locks? No, because um, I do a lot of apartments, and you need a key for the front door, so it has to be a lock box outside. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Um, where do I get my furniture? It just depends what I need at the time. I'll search it online, and then you can see like the cheapest cheapest option online. Uh, you know what's also good for furniture? Uh, Honey browser. It's an extension. It gives you discount codes for um, like uh, login. Yeah, and it shows you, you, it runs it, it checks, is there any discount codes on the entire internet, and then it applies it. It's so good. For art, I use society6.com, and then you can get specific art custom printed with custom frame, like 150 bucks, like, you know, this sort of size. Ships out from somewhere, and it's there in, like, 10 days or so. Uh I think Temple and Webster I might have used. But, yeah, I just go to whatever I need for that property. I don't use any particular ones other than my IKEA, um, mydeal.com.au and catch.com.au. Uh, what was the other question there? Um, well, one of the questions was the eyes and ears on the ground, like the boots on the ground type of person. How do you kind of pay – how do you think about paying that person? And how do you get a miles? Like, like that sounds like a pretty crappy job and tough and time consuming like how do how do you how do we think about that role so he only has to work a couple of hours a day and he likes to surf so he doesn't he doesn't mind actually um then it's better than uh it's better than like um so so yeah i pay him 40 dollars an hour Uh, i found him through uh, the local facebook group you can also find them through airtasker um by the way, you can also find people to go to inspections in another state for you, or if you're too lazy to wake up early on a Saturday for inspections, find someone that is like in their mid-30s at least that can wear a suit and rock up on your behalf and say, yeah, I'm, I'm Derek from from um, Jeff's company. We love this place. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? I, I, I got yeah. a guy to do that for yeah. me, like, so I didn't have to not go out on Friday night. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah, you can have, you can d- define whatever deal you want with that person. You might be able to find someone that doesn't need a retainer. Miles is on a retainer because I've got the scale, but you can find other people that just do Airtasker work, piece work, and have, there is there is great people on Airtasker. It can be can be hit and miss, but yeah, once you you kind of sort of can sift through them eventually. Yeah, oh. you make the first booking through them, then you deal with them direct thereafter. Yeah, yeah, this has been unreal. Um, throw some questions, people. There's there's a lot in here to go through, so I hope you don't hope you don't mind. Um, I'm, I'm interested in this one because this is a bit um, maybe not controversial, but it says how reliable is AirDNA? Are you sure Airbnb doesn't pump the publicly scrapable data? I mean, it's very cynical, though. I mean, would they actually make their own make business them? look better? Publicly scrapable data on their website. Well, the, the data is live, and that's what people can see, and that they can book. So, yeah, you can't you can't change what reality is because if I'm yeah. going to book a place and it's that Take price, Airbnb can't change what the price and availability is. It has to be true. Yeah. So, yeah. scraping real data. Yeah, and and if you list it at five hundred and it's on there for five twenty, you're like, why is that five twenty? I said five hundred. It's gonna not make any sense. Yeah, and how reliable is it? It's um, it's pretty reliable, but that's why you work with um, looking at following the strategy that I mentioned earlier. You can watch the replay uh, on checking Airbnb itself to cross check that data on AirDNA to yeah. see how true it is. So you're using both in tandem, not just one. And, and so one of the things I want to think about is I've got, I'm looking, I want to look at over years of Airbnb because it's been out here for ages now. Can I do that? Like where in Cronulla is the hotspot for where bookings and rentals are and where do people not go? Like, is that, is there a way to look all the way back from all of all suburbs in Australia? So my understanding is AirDNA helps you look at the past and then the Airbnb strategy helps you verify that that's going to continue happening in the future and is still happening right now. Yeah. So yeah, you just, just look at enough places. Maybe there'll be a cluster of places around a particular area um, yeah, right. that seem to be doing better than others. Um, like for example, Byron Bay, uh, Watergoss would have like, Watergoss beach would have like premium properties that have mm-hmm. that kind of the market. And then next door to um, Chris Hemsworth, maybe. Yeah, um, and then maybe in the town centre, be more apartments, and then as you get further away, it'd be cheaper houses that are away from the beach. So yeah, there's different that, kind of it, markets in each area. Because I guess what I'm looking for is seasonality. Because Cronulla is going to be great during the summer, but during the winter, no one's going to. There's not going to be many bookings. So I want to see what my full twelve month scope looks like to be able to ascertain what my what my value is over that period of time. So yeah, the default setting on Airbnb for um, a host is 12 months availability. And if you see someone's prices and they're charging 149 a night for all of the next month, you know, they're not using price labs, but if they're charging different numbers for each night, they've probably got a pricing manager and then you can check, okay, they're charging this much in June and July. What about summer? Is it drastically different? Is it all random numbers? They're probably price labs numbers, which are, pretty close to reality. Um, and then you can see, okay, what about next winter as well? See how well they're booking this winter since it's already winter. You can see, is there some dates booked already in summer? How many dates are booked? If there's a lot of them, maybe they've 
maybe they've undercharged, they could have charged more. You can see the gaps in between what those dates probably booked at um, and just get a picture of the whole year like that. So how many Airbnbs would you own before you turn it into a business and start thinking about VAs and stuff? Like you, So unit one, you're outsourcing it because you're paying the 20% to because you're just too much work. Two, you outsource. Is it get to like three or four where you're like, you know what, actually, let's just hire the VA and get them to do it all because that 20% that I'm giving these guys is way too much or anything? It all depends. It all depends uh, what you're already doing with your life. If you're already making like 100K and working nine to five, then you shouldn't manage it at all because then you've got to be working more than nine to five. So you should just get a management company, even if you've got, even if you've got five. So it's up to how much time you've already got. Because if you're already working under five, you're probably not going to have, you're not going to have the bandwidth to do it properly, mm. you know. Or if you plan to quit your nine to five, then and and scale to ten, it depends what your goals are as well. So then you'd probably want to be involved, learning it so that you can properly outsource to your own VA. And because basically what I've done is I've built my own management company to manage my property, so I keep that twenty or thirty yeah. percent that someone would. Would do. Yeah, and, and and you're instead of you're you're much more efficient with managing your own money than somebody else um, paying somebody else to manage your sort of asset or whatever it is. So yeah, yeah, you're probably paying yeah. I don't know five or ten percent. So this is a great question that's come up. What do you do to protect yourself from mass cancellations? If anything, example, COVID lockdowns, ten properties with no rent coming in, cancellation policies. So how do you how do you think about? Yeah. Well, actually, how did you Important. do over COVID? And then how do you think about this? So over COVID, Airbnb unilaterally overrode the strict cancellation policy in the in the um, interest of keeping the community safe. But they they put basically hosts paid for that whole thing. So we just I just had my calendars completely wiped. Luckily, I was multi-platform, so I had strict cancellation policies on some, um, and that helped me get through. But um, yeah, I had to scramble, um, get places rebooked, um, rent them out long term. So it was a tough time. So basically now what my goal is to, to be, well, I already am multi-platform and I'm also getting direct bookings where I can enforce my own cancellation policy. So guests are told you're not going to get a refund under any circumstances. Um, we remind them after they book. Uh, no, we say that they must have travel insurance to cover that. We remind them after they book. Um, so yeah, it's just uh, it's just part and parcel. It's like I've taken on the risk to get these places, um, yeah, etc. And then if if we decide later, like you know, maybe we give them a credit or something like that, we can do that at, at, at a later date. But everything is then locked in at like our own terms, not just like Airbnb's terms. So the goal of anyone to to grow the business to get direct bookings, so you control your own destiny, basically. How do, you, how do you get direct bookings? Like, what do you, what do you yeah, what do you have your so website? Yeah, you have your website, um, you have your logo in your profile. Some people are smart enough to then Google that company name and book direct on your website. Um, you could also gain an Instagram following. Um, if you have like unique places, you can build up a bit of a following on Instagram. Stickers in um, there. What about TikTok? Why not TikTok, mate? Can couldn't you get you get Miles to do a yeah. video from out the front of his? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's yeah. unlimited stuff you can do. I'm also going to look at um Facebook ads to, to try and target people that have just booked a flight to Sydney, um, to try and get them to book on my website. 
By the way, HostAway powers my website. So I just um, I just got a developer to make a, a website on a custom sort of theme. And then HostAway plugs into that site. So it's kind of like the back end of the website, if that makes sense. Yeah. So you're just a pretty overlay over the top of HostAway. Yeah. You can also automatically generate a website from HostAway and have an actual domain name like .com as the URL, but it's probably not going to show up in search. So you could just put it in your Instagram bio and people can book direct on that. Um, yeah. So, By the way, so- also, um, if you have a really good experience, like lots of five-star stays, you can like tell guests, you know, refer your friends, etc. So there is one guy that I know that gets like 70% direct bookings and a lot of them are like wow. return people he hasn't got anything other than a five-star review on his places that's how good they are um he's got a instagram and a um link in the bio and people just book like that there you go i think, I think yeah. this is an interesting one it's it's a bit more kind of admin in the weeds but um reese and this question was easy he said what is your experience like with ongoing maintenance on the properties do you put put a percentage aside like how do you sort of think about that um, typically if it's just standard wear and tear, um, or, you know, the tap in the, th- the tap is dripping or something, the uh, real estate agent would sort it out with the owner. Uh, and it, it doesn't occur more than, more than a long-term tenant. So it's just the same. Yep. Okay. So it probably sounds like it's not really much of an issue for your, and there'll be, might be isolated things here or there, but yeah, it's not really much, that much of an issue for you. With your yeah, because the overall use of the place is, is less because they're out there sightseeing. They're not really using the kitchen. So on average, it's less. Done. There you go. So how much, how much money is there in doing this Airbnb arbitrage? So it costs 20 grand up front to get all the furniture, fit this sucker out. Like what realistically am I thinking if I'm I'm doing this for, for one property? Like what what do you, what's the realistic number? So... 20k is is like pretty achievable from one place and then once you've got five that's 100k and you know 10 200k and you can just keep going as much as you want um and and what makes like how do i how do i find the best performance like what is something that is the absolute creme de la creme is it location that is the best thing is it the under supply is there a large demand for, for Airbnbs and you're know, like, that's where I'm going to inject mine or like, how do you think? So about the things that seem to be consistent. So obviously anything can work as I mentioned, like the caravan in Ibiza, but things that seem to be consistent across successful Airbnbs are, uh, yeah, something unique. So it might be a view or it might be the type of renovation or it might be that it has been renovated in the last 10 or 15 years at least. Um, then it's, then you've got the, the furniture, which is more, more in your control with rental arbitrage, which is what, what I focus on because I can't renovate the properties. Um, yeah, location is, is key as well. Um, like, like with anything, the closer you are to something that people want to see, like the city centre or the beach, the more you can charge. Um, and that's, uh, that's, pretty, that, that's all of them really. Those are the main things. If something is really unique, then you can charge through the roof for it because there's nothing comparable. Wow! And also, the view you can't put a you can't put a price on it, so you can charge so much more. And you 
with a view, you don't, let's say a place without a view would rent for 600 a week or a place with a view would be a thousand a week. You're getting the margin on the expensive place without the place actually being bigger or more difficult to manage or whatever. Yeah, it doesn't cost you know anything I mean? more furniture wise. Yeah. 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 And Super. they're going to have a better experience. So your reviews will be better. Five-star reviews. Yeah. 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 So basically you just want to get a place that has a chance to get five-star reviews. Like if there's, if it's on a main road or stuff like that, then you try to avoid that because you want to choose a place from the get-go that at least has the chance to get five-star reviews so that you can then put it into place to make sure it does continue to get that. Yeah. Man, this has been an unreal session. I feel like this is like just kind of, scratch the itch for people to understand. Like, I feel like you've removed a lot of the objections that I've had about Airbnb myself. Um, and you've there given a few like, there, Joe. There's, there's really a lot of objections to it, but you answered them all like in a way that makes perfect sense. It's like, it's not, it's, there is a still opportunity here. And all it is, is just going onto some of these platforms and looking to see if it is. But um, mm. yeah. How, how do people, you, you mentioned you have a course and we, I've, I haven't done it. Um, so, but can you tell us about it? Give us a bit of a run through and how it all works because I'm not going to sit here and go watch a hundred YouTube videos. I don't have time for that. Um, you've got a yeah. course or your, your, your mentor, give us a run through. What's it look like? Yeah. So, um, go to profit with BNB on Instagram. It's just profit with BNB one word. Um, and I've got a bunch of free, free stuff on there. I've also got a free live training in the bio, or you can just go straight to profitwithbnb.com. A lot of course sellers, they just have a BS thing that doesn't actually teach anything. There's actually me teaching how I do this stuff like for one hour, including like feasibility. I look at like example on surface paradise or something and like, okay, look at this, like this place looks like it's good, et cetera. Um, Yeah. And then just DM me there. If you've got any questions, happy to help out with a couple of free advice um, on your situation and um yeah i've got a i've got a video course and we do like live calls and help out um help out people that are looking to get started in an airbnb basically i dropped i dropped the training video because it's um it can be a bit uh the profit with bnb one because yeah if you if you just google it it's um you'll, you'll end up going down another rabbit hole um oh uh, yeah if i type it's... in the chat oh should i He's already done. That's all right. I've, 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 already, oh, okay, I've already done it for you. I put your Insta plus your um plus your website page, or your, it looks like a landing page, I think. But it might be yep. yeah. People can get their get their feel there. But do people have any more questions? Because we have an we have this this person has been doing this since what is this person? James has been doing it since um, twenty sixteen. So I, I, and you've been I think you've met, you said you manage what eighty properties 70? or something? Seventy of the suckers. Yeah, many different, different properties. properties in that and time. which, yeah, which do you prefer doing? Do you prefer, do you want to lean more into the management side of things or do you want to acquire more? Like, how's it? Uh, oh, yeah. One of the questions um, I saw in the pre thing was, where do I want to take it? So I've taken it where I where I want to go. So mm-hmm. I own good money um, and I've, I'm time free, location free. So I've, I've achieved my, my goal now. Now I just want to, I'm doing a course with like making music, learning from one of my favorite, favorite artists. So my goal is to try and play a Shwaya in Ibiza one day. Um, that's, that's my goal. Yeah. Just. That's awesome. Yeah. 
You listen to um, you listen to Club Life with um the podcast. That's, that's it. It's on, it's on my no. it's on my list. He's playing it. I think he's playing it. Is that a DJ Club Life? Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh no no no. It's the um. It's, it's a podcast from. I'm just trying to see okay. which one I've got on my phone here. It's um. Yeah, it's a podcast. Anyway? It's a podcast about yeah. techno music. <laughs> techno yeah, gold. Check it out. Um, when you, when you say when you say profitable conf- configuration, what does that mean? Does that mean like yeah, one by one a, or one by two? Does this make sense? What is your most profitable configuration? Does that make? I don't understand that. There was a comment there, yes, right? Okay. What is your yes, most so, pro- profitable yeah. configuration? So I guess how do you? How would you? Okay, so you're me, you're Joe, right? What do I do now? I mean, what 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 should I kind of think about? So um, if you have if you have no money, yeah, then you can get started with management deals. This is more delving into like, yeah, how to get started if you've got no money. Um, yeah. But you have to have, you have to bring your time and skills to the table. So you have to have the skills. So you, you need to do a course to bring that to the table. Um, or you could, you could watch it, you could do it on, on YouTube as well, but there's going to be so much conflicting stuff and it's going to take longer. So it's just up to how much, how much do you value your, your time to get started? Um, if you've got money and you want to quit your nine to five, I would get started with rental arbitrage. Oh, that's how I quit my nine to five. So, so I would do that again. I started with management deals, but I eventually did rental arbitrage soon after. Uh, rental arbitrage is my favorite because the margins are so much better. Uh, mm. Because with management, remember the owner is still keeping almost everything, like 80%. So even if you have a great month where you make 20K in one month from a great place, you're only getting 4K. Whereas if you were renting that place for 1500 a week or something, you're keeping like six, 14K or something. Um, yeah, that makes sense. So you get more rewarded for your work if you do that. Unreal. Um, and if you've got a property... Somebody's asked. Watch my free training video. See if you can figure out if it's good for Airbnb. And if you just want to rent out that property on Airbnb, talk to a management company, see if they agree with your feasibility, see if they can give you an estimate. Mm, that's actually really good I, I, I wasn't going to ask this one, Joe, because it's from, from Mike, Mike Larry. We, you, you, you caught up with a beer with Mike in Berlin. And, um, I mean, of course, <clears> Mike <throat> would say Sydney is the top five locations. Like number one is Sydney and number five is Sydney. That's what, that's what Mike would say because he's the Sydney's king bloke. So, yeah. But no, is, is there – I think it kind of depends though, doesn't it, James? Like what, what would I, you – I have no idea, but um, it just comes down to the feasibility, like how much yeah. – what multiple can you get? I don't think Sydney would be like crazy better than others. Like Stockholm mm-hmm. gets a good multiple – um, yeah. I'm sure all the capital cities in Australia get a good multiple. Otherwise, people wouldn't be doing Airbnb for like a 20% margin. Um, there's there's also, you know, unique places like in the countryside as well are doing well. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. So don't, don't focus on like top five or what's the best apartment or anything like that. Look at the feasibility in your area where you want to host do a bit of research yourself, see if you can find some like diamonds in the rough and, and copy those diamonds to, to get some profitable places. Love this. 
Awesome, James. Thank you very much for running this session. If anyone does want to learn more, um, profit with their profit with bnb.com and uh, I'd go, take I'd go to Insta as well, but yeah, this, well, this, I, I mean, all that, all that good stuff. Insta. Go to Instagram. Yeah. Follow the Insta message me there. If you've got any questions, I'll reply. And there's heaps of other videos Excellent. on there as well. Like tips, probably a bunch of stuff we haven't covered for sure. Yeah. That'd be, so, that'd be anything else you wanted to cover off James, anything that we've kind of, you know, fundamentally missed. Um, no, I think that's that's all good. That was a crack. If anyone has other questions, message me on, on Insta. I'll answer them there. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, cool. Thank you very much, James. Everyone's loving it. We'll post this on YouTube. So if anyone has any other kind of, you know, like and subscribe, all that stuff. But um, Drop the YouTube in the uh, – maybe I can, can – I'll, I'll get it, Joe. But no, not sorry. a great session. You get it, mate. Okay. Let's go buy an Airbnb property. See you guys later. Have a good one. See you guys. Bye. Thanks for that. Hear more interviews and share your story with some of Australia's top property experts and commentators now by joining the Oz Property Investors Facebook group with over 25,000 property investors so we can all become better property investors together. Just a quick reminder that anything we covered on this podcast is not considered as financial advice. This is general information only. You need to go and speak with your qualified professionals to understand your unique circumstances as this is general advice only. If you got any value out of this podcast, feel free to recommend us to your friends and leave us a review. Thank you very much for listening and have a fantastic day. Let's go buy property.